star, I've got class and I've got Henny overflowing up my shop. Welcome to the Sports After Party podcast with me, Jezza. And Afo, we are bringing you the weekly sports conversations from across the globe. Welcome to the party. <laughs> let's get it, let's get it. And we're back. Back yeah, in yeah. your eyes, back in your head tops. Uh, it's a Sports After Party podcast. Afo, we have some guests along with us today. Yeah, yeah, the bros pulled up, the bros pulled up. We're talking football today, man. I'm looking forward to this one. So we have two um, semi-pro footballers with us today. Um, I'm going to do them justice and give them their full Niger name for um, Omotolani, Daniel Omotola. Gonna... <laughs> sorry, that was so bush. That was, that was my word. Uh, Omotolani, Daniel Omotola, you know, age 22. Um, it says played to birth in Germany, man. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a St. Lucian international, um, Joshua Solomon Davies. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> How are you boys doing today? Yeah, we're good, man. Bless, bro. Yeah, I'm good, man. We've got two Liverpool Liverpool guys in the building, man. It's just... It's I'm funny. I'm Liverpool I guess, fans. <laughs> they're both Liverpool fans as well, but I, I, you know me, like, we always talk about it. Whenever we hear Black Brothers, we, their accents from up north, it's always interesting. <laughs> it's always interesting. <laughs> so, I'm looking forward to this one. Liverpool through and through, man. I won't, I won't lie. How are you boys feeling about Liverpool this season? Up and down. If you ask me, up and down. Season, yeah, I'd say back-to-back champions. Obviously, losing key members, losing Van Dijk, losing a lot of defenders, it's a bit techie. It's a bit techie. I feel like I feel like Man City. It's Man City's to lose, but we'll see, man. We'll see. Got a few defenders in today. We'll see what happens. Stafford, what are we talking about today? Okay, so obviously we've got the boys, so it's mainly going to be football today. So, you know, we start about talking about their football journey. So, where they started, where they're at now, and then what the goal is, of course, moving forward. Um, I think it's important to talk about academy ball as well. You know, a lot of people are released at a young age, and it's quite hard to get back on path. Mentally, it can, it can damage you as well. So, both of these guys have gone through that experience. So, they'll, I guess, give their stories behind it, and maybe some advice to the FA as to what can be done to try and help these kids. And... Um, yeah, I think we'll probably finish on talking about the NBA and cricket. Obviously, that's just just like just like that. So we'll finish on cricket as well. So, but I think first we got we got to you know Josh congratulate you for getting as far as you did in in the FA Cup yeah, with Marine. Yeah. What was that like? The whole week and build up to playing Tottenham. Yeah, because I saw on the well, we we all watched the game, but you were facing Deli Ali, Gareth Bale. Um, Sissoko, Joe Hart, these are like established Premier League players. Internationals, bro. Yeah, it was from the first time I saw the um, the draw. I was I was doing training with one of my uh, PTs, and he put the TV on in his kitchen, and then Tottenham came out, and bro, we all started screaming like uh, I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. I was gassed, and then obviously it comes to reality that you have to yeah not look at them as stars. Because then, obviously, you'll be scared of them on the day. But I think the whole experience, it was, it's a moment of a lifetime, of course. But it just shows you what you have to, how dedicated you have to be to reach their level. Because playing against them, you don't realise how good they are until, obviously, they're in front of you. Like, every minute, they're moving left, right, left, right. So, it was good seeing them, in, like, live on the pitch with me. So, I think it's, I don't know how to explain the feeling. Because, obviously, before the game, I wasn't, I wasn't too nervous. 
But I think I was more nervous in the week before the game until mm. the actual game. There, I felt I felt a bit relaxed, and then I think we start. I think not personally, but as a team, we were too defensive from the get go, and obviously they scored four, and then we changed it, changed it again back to the way we normally play, and we started playing some ball. To be fair, yeah. um, and then obviously we scored the fifth goal, which is partly my fault, but you know <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. What, so, so my question. So going into, so going going into that game. So do you go in thinking we might? Actually, I think we can win this. You know, like we're gonna put, they're gonna do these guys over. Do you go with that confidence that we're gonna handle our business and we might actually? I think we might actually win. Or do you go in thinking we might get that work today? <laughs> I think I think you when you look before the game. Obviously, you you think who they're gonna play. So we didn't think they were gonna bring as a such. You know, starting eleven that they actually did. So yeah. when the team sheet came in, we were like, "Geez, um, it could be, it could be a long day." <laughs> but um, I think once once the game warm starts and you get ready for the game, you have to just. It's uh, we were playing at home as well, and they're not going to be used to that. You have to think of that as well. Um, not, not not used to that standard of pitch. So there was always a chance that we could have done something, but I think yeah. the quality of their side showed in the end. But it it was we we did well. In the aspect of you know the levels that we were at and then where they're playing, so and we hadn't played for a couple of weeks as well, so I think I think we showed 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 quite a good showing. To be and fair. one question, the last question for me: What was like the main difference between them? Was it like technical ability? Was it fitness? I think from the main, I wouldn't say it was mainly fitness. I'd say how like the composure on the ball, like say if we were pressing them. It seemed like they, they didn't care that we were pressed and they'd still pass to someone who's got two people on them and then still get out somewhere. Right. Whereas when they were pressing us, it was like, there's no options for us. But for them, like the composure, they always had options on the ball. They were never... Mm. The movement as well, I think that, that was the biggest one for me. The movement. Like, I didn't expect them to be moving that much. Like, playing, playing um, in, the, in our league right now, I didn't... Like, you barely get people who are always moving. And then playing against... I think I was marking Lucas for most of the game. And he... Literally moving everywhere, everywhere. He was next minute. He was there, there. It was like he just chilled for the second. <laughs> but um, it was it was good. But yeah, I wouldn't say fitness wise because obviously they had the ball a lot, so you can't really tell how fit they were. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, I think yeah, the movement and the composure on the ball, you can tell. You can tell they're at the top level. I was mad. It was crazy because obviously um, just watching him from they played Colchester in the round before and that was crazy and they played Chester on uh, uh, the round before that and with every round that went past we were like you know what hopefully they get a decent team and then when it got to the third round I was I was praying I really really just wanted a big team or away at least so when I seen them come out first I was like oh nah as long as they get someone who's I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking of Premier League I was thinking Championship maybe a Sunderland or Anything, just a big team, I'll take it because it'll be on BBC or BT or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw Tottenham, um, but I was I was shouting my house down, man. It was crazy. <laughs> I can't it was crazy. And then I, I rang him straight away, and I was like, "Yo, this is mad. This is mad." Now I was proud, man. I was I was happy for. Him. It was really it was nice to see. Really nice to see. Yeah, that's it. Did you get a t-shirt? Did you get at the end? Uh, I got all the vials in the end. I was trying to get bail, but. <laughs> Someone got that before me. I got uh, all, all the viral dogs, so still yeah. good. Did the Insta followers go up? 
Oh, bro, my phone is buzzing <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got people texting me that I haven't seen in 10 years. Uh, what are you saying, bro? You're good. I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, you, let's, let's talk about your journeys, man. Let's talk about like where you guys started, where you're at now, and then what the, what the goal is. So, we'll start with you, Tom. So, for you, bro, like where, where did your yep. football start? Obviously, you used to play in the back garden, then you're my goalkeeper back in the day. But like, <laughs> <laughs> where, where did like where did your your football journey start? I think I started playing like competitively. I think I didn't start until maybe like eleven, twelve. I started quite late in terms of obviously what normal people would start up. But then um, it was just Sunday league really. I was just playing Sunday league. Um, you know, my dad would take me before church. I'd have my match, and then um. There was one summer I was playing in like some a tournament, and there was a few um, scouts there, and one of them was the Everton scout. Um, and it was crazy. I was like, I, he approached my dad and everything. I was like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm going to Prem. I'm playing Prem next week. It was crazy. <laughs> Went to Everton. I signed for Everton, and even back then I was maybe like year ten. I went back into school like, yo, you man can't chat to me, but I play for Everton. Don't speak to me. I play for Everton. Saw that, and then um, the reality hit because um, I was playing with these these unbelievable players at the time. Obviously, me coming from Sunday League, these might have been playing for Everton for a few years. The likes of Liam Walsh, Tom Davis, who's at Everton still now, um, Callum Connolly, who's um, I think at Fleetwood. There's a lot of people in my age group who still play for Everton now, or at least in the Championship or League One. So. At the time, I was kind of starry-eyed, really, just looking at them like, yo, this is the level. Even though I was only, like, 14, 15, I was like, yo, this is the level I need to get to. And obviously, that was the first, after that year at Everton, um, and they let me go, that was the, my first real rejection in football. And I remember my my um, my mum went with me, and obviously, they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to renew your whatever it was at the time. And I cried, like, yo, I cried. I was like, I can't go to school the next day. I was like, yo, it's the peak. But then... um. I went to a, I had a year in Sunday League again, and then I signed for Tranmere, and then um, I got a scholarship for Tranmere, and that's where it really started. To be fair, um, so I had my two-year scholarship, and in my first year, I did really well. Um, I made my debut at the last game of the season against Bury, um, and yeah, that was that was one of the best football experiences I've had really, because obviously. Um, the last game of the season, Barry needed to win to go up, and um, so they brought all their fans. Um, it was literally the whole stadium was packed, um, and that was crazy, man. And as soon as I came on, I just knew, like, yo, I, I want to do this more often. Like, this is crazy. And obviously, I did my um, my second year scholar, and then I signed my first year pro. And um, signing my pro was surreal. Uh, like, yo, I'm a professional footballer, man. Like, this is crazy. Um, but little did I know that that was probably going to be the the um, hardest year of my life in terms of mentally and football wise because obviously um, I'm not a kid anymore man I'm I'm a first year pro I'm a professional footballer so I can't act like a kid I can't do this I can't do that um so the season started and Tramier weren't really doing that well and I went on loan early on in the season um to Witten Albion who were a couple of leagues below. And I did really well. I think I scored like 18 or 19 goals that season. And every week, 
obviously we play on a Saturday. I'd come into Tramier Tuesday, I mean Monday, and the gaffer would be like, did you score? Yeah. Oh, well done, well done, well done. I'm feeling it to myself. When am I going to get a chance? I'm seeing them sign strikers on low enough. So I'm still doing my thing, just scoring, scoring, scoring. That's all I can do, really. So Tom, was, sorry to interrupt you, bro, but was the... Do you think the manager was even watching your games? Because you said that he asked you if you scored. Yeah. So like... I think he came maybe once or twice in the whole season, which obviously is understandable because when we played, they played. Mm. So um, it was understandable, but it was annoying as me, for me as well because... In training, um, he'd have his starting eleven, and then obviously the five subs or whatever. So we do shape, and I'd always be in the shape that was playing against the starting eleven. If that makes sense. So I couldn't really showcase anything. The only thing I could do was when I had the match score, and that was that really. And obviously at the end of uh, my first year, um, obviously he pulled me into his office. Mickey Mellon was the manager at the time. Pulled me into his office and said, "I know that you've done well in terms of scoring goals, but we want to try and go down a." more experienced routes in terms of um, strikers. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I couldn't really say anything. I did all that I could do. And that was that really. And then I signed for um, Altrincham, who were in the conference now. And it was kind of a, I was at crossroads in my in my life, really, because I was thinking, right, do I do, because all I've known is Tramir, like Monday to Saturday. And Altrincham at the time were part-time. So I was like, cool. So what am I doing midweek? Like, how am I gonna? How am I gonna? What am I gonna do? So in the end, I obviously I decided to go to uni. So I was playing um, for a team up in Loughborough, uni, and I can't lie that that helped me the most in terms of football wise because I was playing men, like genuine men, and I was obviously what eighteen at the time, nineteen at the time, and it toughened me up really, and. Um, yeah, I done well, obviously, for the teams over there. I got some um, some interest from higher clubs. But obviously, I was still at uni. And I wanted to make sure I finished uni before I did anything football-wise because my mum, mm. <laughs> she needed to make sure I finished uni, bro. You can understand what Nigerian, my Nigerian mum's mm. like. But, um, yeah, that was um, that's my thing. So, finished uni now. And, obviously, with COVID, it stopped again. But I'm in a position now where... Um, I'm back in Liverpool. Obviously, I've spoken to a few clubs here and there, but I want to just get playing football again. The main thing. I know wherever I'm going to play, God win and I'll score. And in the end, everyone finds their level, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that's my that's my um, journey so far. Obviously, professionally is, is the main aim. So I'm waking up every single day playing football. But um, my main thing is I want to definitely enjoy the team I'm playing for because I've played for teams that I've, I've woke up and thought I really don't want to go today I, I don't like the manager or this and that so the main thing for me is that I want to be enjoying where I'm playing and who I'm playing for because that's I found that once I am doing that that's when I play my best football and then everything else will follow in terms of my my um, the league I'm in or what team I'm playing for because I know I, I'm I'm confident in my own ability so I, I know where I can play because I've played against teams who are in League 1 or League 2 or play against defenders who are in Championship League One, League Two. So I know what I can do anyway. But it's just a term. It's just a case of wanting to be, you know, enjoying my football really. And Josh, how about you, bro? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Obviously, as I mentioned in the intro, you're uh, an international baller. I hear you've got some qualifiers um, coming up. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Yeah. So I moved there when I was about six or seven. 
from St. Lucia, obviously. And then I think I didn't start playing football until I was 10. I think it was around 10-ish, yeah. Um, obviously, just started playing in the park with my stepdad at the time. And then signed for a team called Wallacey Wonders, it was called. It's a little team, Sunday league team. And then that's obviously that's when I started falling in love with football. I didn't really know much about it before that. And then um, it was like like Tar really. I was I was late into the game, and then I think I had two years or so playing um, for yeah Sunday league teams. And then it was like Tar exactly like Tar. I was playing in a tournament, so they were, they were the best by the way. Them tournaments yeah. on the on the um, on the weekends, they were the best. And then a Tramia scout saw me at. I think I was 12 at the time at one of them tournaments and I had a trial at Tramia and then I signed, I think, I think it was under under 12s, I think. So I've been, I was at Tramia for a long time, obviously. I was there until uh, 18, yeah, 18, 19. I was there until, so I was literally from Tramia 12 and then in my, obviously I got a scholar, luckily. Um, and in my first year of scholar, I actually, I've been my debut, uh, similar to Tyler, it was the last, Last game of the season. Um, no, actually, it wasn't the last game. It was obviously the, the proper season, the last game. Obviously, they had mm. playoffs, so it was the last last league game. Um, and then I got the chance to play against Maidstone away. And it was it was like a party, like the atmosphere in the stadium. Because obviously, Tramia in the playoffs already anyway. I think Maidstone are just the week before they stayed up. Um, and I think we actually won that day as well. Nobody expected us to win. So that was a good experience, and then in my second year scholar, I was I was involved slightly with the first with the first team, but then I think I played once again. Again, it was the last game of the season against Solio 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 Moors at home. Okay. Um, played them, got beat. Um, that was a good experience again, and then obviously then it's time to hopefully get offered a pro. Um, but being a first year pro, I mean, and I personally didn't think it was the right the right thing for me to do to sign. Right, the right thing for me to do to sign, sign approach. I'm yeah. I thought it's this. I'm not gonna improve myself, improve play. I'm not gonna be playing anywhere. So I thought, let me just. I rejected the contract, and then I thought the best, the best way, speaking to other people, my like my parents and stuff, and close people around me. I personally thought, and they thought, the best way for me to hopefully get to that level was to start off. From the from the bottom, should we say? That summer that I rejected the contract, it was a hard summer for me because um, I had promises and I saw messages that I was going to get a move to so and so, and then that didn't happen. And then it happened again. Um, a team that I was I was supposedly going to, and then I think it was so that was on the Friday afternoon, I think. And on the Monday, I found out they just signed somebody else who just been released from Man City. So that was a bit of a a blow to me and then I missed out actually in my scholar trial that's when actually I got called up for St. Lucia actually to play for the it was on the twenties at the time and then that was the first time I represented obviously St. Lucia which is a mad experience in itself. It's it's so different it's like the international football. Obviously St. Lucia that it's only it's a small, small island so compared to other other islands it's we're not regarded as one of the best should we say. Um so that was that was a good experience in itself. And then Moving on to after Tramia, yeah, I went to Staley Bridge, and it's not that I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy that season. It just I don't think their style of play was suited to the way I play. So I'm an attacking mm-hmm. fullback, and yeah. at Staley Bridge, I was always advised whenever I went forward to like where you're going, 
a proper non-league <laughs> team, like full back, full back, and don't don't move anywhere else. So that was that was hard for me to adjust to. I didn't really didn't really show anyone what I can do there. And then that was obviously a season, more or less a half a season that I had in the non-league environment, which, like Tal said, it toughened me up. You're facing people who are a lot older than you, a lot more experienced mm. than you in that sort of game as well. So that toughens you up. So I ended up signing for Marine, which is obviously a local side in Liverpool, close close to me. And I knew I knew a few of the lads there as well who were at Tramley with me. So straight away, that it was a much better vibe than it was at Staley Bridge anyway, because I knew the lads there. And even, to be fair, the the assistant coach was my under six, no, uh, scholar coach at um, at Tramia, so he knows how I play. So that that was that was big for me as well. Perfect for me because I've been able to showcase my abilities against the likes of Chester, Colchester, and having to all and obviously the big one against Tottenham. So it really has helped me show other people, the scouts, for example, what I can do. The best thing for me was looking back, and it was to not take that contract and work my way up. What I'm doing right now, I think personally, because I've I've been playing regularly since I was 18. Um, it's men's football, obviously, which um, you don't get playing at Tranmere because you literally don't play. You weren't going to the first team anyway. Why do you think for both of you guys, again, obviously you've been through the academies um, and when you got to the first team playing for, for Tranmere, both of them were like, yeah, you guys ain't ready. You need to go out on loan or you're just going to be on the bench. Is it because they're expecting you to be Messi, Ronaldo at 17 years old before they can play you? Or uh, what, what do you think is the rationale um, behind that? Uh, so from my personal experience, at the time when um, when I was at Tramia, um they just had a double relegation. So they got relegated from League Two. Then the season after, no, they got relegated from League One. Then they got relegated from League Two. So they're in the conference. So at the time, and they're obviously in a lot of debt in terms of money-wise, and the fans were getting onto the chairman, all this, all that. A lot of players were coming in, coming out. So. They wanted stability and they wanted security as well. And at the time, um, obviously, they would rather have looked at someone who has played in that league, I don't know, a couple hundred times. It's just, it's about responsibility, really. So, who the, because at the end of the day, it's, it's a job and the manager's job on every game. So, if he's looking at uh, a young kid who's doing well on loan compared to someone who he could get in, who's scored X amount of goals in the league already, the Chami is a really big club, obviously. And they look the, the chairman wants to be in League One, League Two, where they are now, to be fair. And at the time they weren't. So the young lads unfortunately struggled really, unless there was serious injuries. Um, you weren't really gonna get a chance, even if you were doing well. It just falls down to responsibility, really, and who the manager trusts more. And I feel like trusted um older players more at the time just to get the results and get the job done. That's why I think that's what I feel like anyway. So obviously, luckily enough for Josh, we'd see I'd see Josh every day and I'd, I'd tell him what's going on here. Like I'd say to him, "Yo, look, whatever you do, don't do what I've done." Because at the time, obviously going back a year when they offer you the contract, you're like, "Yo, I'm one professional football." You're thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna have him my bio, girls, this, everything." <laughs> like I loved my scholar, I loved everything up until that point to Chamie, where I just felt like I was just literally a number though I was just existing so it was it was hard mentally man and even even going out on loan was just a breath uh, a fr- uh, breath of fresh air really because um I was playing every week and I wasn't being judged or if I if I made a mistake it wouldn't be costly or because that's me if you make a mistake in training 
like it's like you're what are you doing here kind of thing so um it was hard man but like i said it it, it made me it made me a lot stronger and ma it's made me realize uh things you need to think of before you obviously commit to certain things in life to be fair as well just touching on that again i probably looking back on it reality like reality as well i probably wasn't ready anyway to be playing um, for the first team at Tramia at, at that point, I've I've learned different parts of my games, um, of my personal game while I've been at the non-league level. And if I was at Tramia, definitely I, I definitely wasn't ready. Looking back on it now, so it's probably a good idea that I actually didn't didn't sign that contract because I, I was never ready. I was I wasn't as confident as I am right now. Like Todd yeah. said in the in the training at, um, at Tramia when I trained with the first team. Which is obviously a good experience. I was, but I was always scared. I don't think it should be like that. I was always scared to, like Tor said, if you make a mistake, you feel like all the eyes on you. Like, why is he trading with us, for example? Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't treated the best, especially after I said no to the contract. I was not treated the best at all. You cannot, you can't expect that. But I don't think it was nice. I was obviously, I was only young at the time, and it wasn't that I was thinking I was, I was bigger than Trammy. It was literally I didn't think I was going to get the chance. And I think some of the the older pros, they thought I was being big time by not signing the contract. I was, I was getting called it all the time. So that 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 was that made me a bit be a bit stronger as well. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ready to be honest to be playing first team at that time anyway. Yeah, you, you both of you always talked about your experiences about how it it sounds like it toughened you up and it's made you more confident today. Um, but also it seems as if you guys are both level headed in like your expectations about football and what you were going to get out of it and. You know, um, obviously you're, you're aspiring to play at the highest level possible, but um, it seems like you're very like level-headed. And then I don't know if you guys have seen that um, BT documentary, No Pain in Paradise, um, but they, they talk about how, you know, only 1% of academy players end up playing football um, at the, the Prem level. And mm. really like the, the, the struggles mentally that these guys go through, when, um, when they're released from their clubs and sort of the lack of support or like yeah. reality checks they're given at that level. Um, you know, sadly, um, Jeremy Whitson from uh, Manchester City Academy, um, he, he committed suicide. And I was wondering from you guys, when you, when you were, obviously you were at Everton, um, Toll, uh, but did, you, did everyone there have like the massive pressure thinking, Okay, I'm I'm gonna make it as a as a Premier footballer. And what was the club environment like as well? Did they keep you guys level headed, or was it just like the goal play and, and that's the I goal? Everton and Tramia were really different. Obviously, I was at Everton at a very young age, but you could already see the things they had in place in terms of welfare and even even though I was 14, 15, <clears throat> if I needed to speak to someone, there'd be someone to speak to or there'd be a program on for people if if I was shy or whatever. Like, it was run really professionally, as you can imagine. But Charmy was a lot different because, obviously, I was of, of age in terms of I'm a man now, I'm 18, 19. And, obviously, when I got released, it was it was crazy. <clears throat> Luckily enough, I had one of my best friends who, obviously, was a pro me at the time. We just kind of, if you, if, if you laugh, you'll cry kind of thing. So we were just like, you know what, cool. We'll just take on the chin kind of thing and move on. But, um, and that's just my character in general. But I feel like for people who've been dropped 
from academies, it's really hard because like for Josh, for example, he was at Tramia for for like seven, eight years and that's all he's known. And it's kind of having that image of like, cool, I'm a footballer, I play for whoever, Tramia, Chelsea, whoever it is. And then all of a sudden it's come, it comes crashing down and it just reality hits and some people just really struggle in terms of, oh, what are other, other people going to think? What am I going to do with myself? And I feel like for some people, it's just trying to get over that. And obviously some people struggle, like like, like you mentioned. Um, but it's hard, man. I feel like a lot more needs to be done because at the end of the day, every, like we're just people and not everyone handles rejection well. And um, just because some people do it better than others doesn't mean that the others are doing well as well. As, um, for example, my friend, um, I, I don't know if you want me to mention anyway, but one of my friends um, who got released, we were all friends, like a tight-knit group, but he, he took it really, really badly. And um, like he just went anti for a few months and understandably because around this area, everyone knows him as like, oh, he plays for Chamir and... Um, he's going to make it, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, after one summer, it just comes crashing down. And every single day, people are asking me, like, oh, so how's Tramia going? I'm having to have the same conversation with different people mm-hmm. all the time. It really gets to someone. Yeah. Like, a lot more needs to be done in terms of um, support for people who have been released because it's a lot. It's a lot, not just in terms of the club, but some people think, like, their life's over. Like, yo, I'm not a footballer anymore. I don't play for this team anymore. How are people going to look at me? How 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 am I going to look at myself? How, what am I going to do next? So I feel like if, especially the FA, um, need to be thinking to put a programme or some sort of um, avenue that people can can reach out on in terms of um, support for people, for for especially younger kids who, um, who are dealing with um, reject and uh, being released. Yo, as I was talking to you earlier about my little cousin, so he, I've got two cousins, your brothers, who play for Arsenal Academy. And one of them, who's the older one, but he's smaller, got cut from the academy. And just watching them grow up, their whole life has been football. Like their dad would literally shout at them if they haven't been playing football in, in the garden, right? And um, seeing that and like the way the kid reacted to it, it's like you can tell that geez, it's a really, it's a really big impact on them when they, when they do get cut from these establishments. And I completely agree. A, a program, firstly, of probably not letting the parents put too much pressure on them. But I guess it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Because you think of the Serena Williams and the Venus Williams, right? They only made they made it because their dad pushed them to the limit. Um, but you know, they, they have to have that balance on them, I guess. But sorry, I forgot. I'm just going to talk about again, like European football, because I'm thinking, who knows, especially with a lot of players going to France, Germany, um, Spain to play their ball. Did it ever cross your mind, like either of you, that do I go and try out in France, in Germany, Spain? Because obviously that's another avenue to try and get in, in terms of trying to get into the professional game. And everyone says that English football is the most competitive in the world. So, I don't know, is it easier to drop down a few levels in, in Spain and those other nations? Um... I wouldn't say it's easier to drop down the levels. I think, like Tal said earlier, you find your level eventually either way. So yeah. say if you started off higher or started off lower, either way you're going to find your level. But I think playing abroad, some people, they, 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 they can't do it, like just because of how they are. Mm. They, can't, they can't even imagine going abroad to play somewhere else. But I'm, I'm always open to trying anything. I don't really mind. If, it, if you're going to make it, you're going to make it wherever, aren't you? So 
I think it's always a good it's always a good option, but it's that having the access or the links to be able to try out in these countries is not it's not as easy as thinking, oh yeah, I wanna play this, I wanna go there. You have to um it's probably it's like a business, you have to know people to get the opportunity. I think Todd will tell you that as well. Yeah. Um one of our friends is actually um playing in Cyprus now. Um so he he was released and then um he went straight. I think he played in Italy in Syria C or B, don't quote me, but one of the two. And then um he came back, I think he did his ace there. So he came back, uh, sorted out his injury, and now he's playing in Cyprus, man. And I feel like it's just obviously you need your connections, first of all. You can't just fly out to these countries and say, Look, I want to travel here, I want to travel there. It doesn't work like that. You need certain you need to know certain people. Um I feel like the quality quality wise, um like I said, my one of our friends who's, who's playing in Syria, BC. I don't think it's that different. I feel like in in terms of uh, quality, I feel like England's probably the best in terms of everyone wants to play in England. So you'll see this like the Spanish players or whatever. That everyone will want to eventually play, play in in England, play in the Premier League because it's not just money wise, but it's categorically known as the the best league in the world. But um. Like Justin, I'd be, I'd definitely be up playing abroad, playing um in different countries. I feel like, just not even standard wise, just the, just the quality of life there, and I feel like everything's a a, a bit less frantic is the word I'm going to use um in terms of how they play, um how you look at, and you, I feel like you just enjoy yourself a lot more. Um, that's speaking to my boy who who's playing in Cyprus now. He's saying that, um. He just loves literally every day waking up and playing there. So um, I'd definitely be open to it, yeah, 100%. Listen, that's a shout-out to, listen, all the agents out there, all the European clubs, the man <laughs> have let you know. <laughs> We're ready to fly out. <laughs> We're ready to fly out. <laughs> ready. And, you know, I, I just want to ask you guys, just, just, just like a, a question. When you're watching, like, Prem football, and they make a mistake. Are you guys like, like what the fuck? Like, I can't this lie. Way, this one. Uh, I, I can't lie. No, no, no. Because um, so when I was at Tramier, um, we played a behind, behind doors game against Everton, and then um, we were playing the Everton lads who went in. It was an international break, and we were playing the Everton lads who went in the squad for whoever, whatever country they played for. So um, at the time there was like um, Ross Barkley, Leighton Baines, Aaron Lennon, uh, Kone, Robles, all them I'm playing. So I was like, "Yo, these men are gonna be." I'm thinking because at the time, at the time I was thinking Kone, like I can do what Kone is doing easy, like I can do what he's, doing. he's he's dead. And then when I'm playing against him, I was like, "Yo, this guy is crazy." So from that day, I was like, "Nah, never again." If I see any friend, not even. Prem League One or League Two, not but Championship Prem League One. I'm thinking if they're making mistakes, fair enough because the standard I saw that day and obviously standard that I've played against since, I can understand as to why I can understand watching people who watch and think or oh, why is he doing that. But the standard, as Josh will tell you, because obviously he played against some of Tottenham's fringe players, so to speak, and the standard for those players who who aren't playing for Tottenham and people would necessarily say, oh, they're crap or why is he playing? 
seeing them live and seeing them like playing against them is, is a whole different story, whole different story. So I've got the utmost respect for any Prem player or championship player. And if they make mistakes, everyone makes mistakes, bro. I can't lie. For me, like, because when I watch when I'm watching the football on TV, I'm normally with my mum, and say I think she humbled me one time. I think I don't know who it was. Somebody made a mistake, and I shouted at the TV, and she was like, "Oh, if you were doing that on the weekend, would you like it with someone shouting back at you?" And I was like, "Yeah, fair enough." <laughs> I was like, "Fair enough." So then, since then, I, I'm like, "Yeah, we all make mistakes." So you can't, and I'm still they're playing at the highest level, so you can't really be saying to them why you're doing that. So. No, nah, not for me. Not for me. What do you guys think about the contract that's given out to, you know, Prem? It's normally Prem level, like Prem level academy players when you turn 17, 18. Do you think it's a problem? Do you think players are paid too much at that age? And um, if so, what would be like, do you have any mates that maybe like went on to get big contracts? Uh, do you know how it impacted them? Um, I think it's, it's a hard one, to be honest, because they have, they've earned the right to be playing at for example, a Man City or a Chelsea, the top team, so they should be earning uh, more money than the normal academy lad because they're at the top. Like it's like it's like, um, but there's two ways of looking at it. It's when it's who you're around as well and the lifestyle you're living. Because obviously, if you're signing X amount of money, like Saul said, you, you now have the status of being a footballer, even though you're not. You're only under 23. It's because of the money you're earning you have that status of a footballer and then if you do get released then, um, then it hits hard because you've been earning so much money and now you're earning nothing compared to what you were. So I think yeah. at the top, there should be a cap, but they should, they do deserve to be earning more than most because they're at the top, but there should be a cap because there are kids earning, they were not even 18 yet, earning ridiculous amounts of money. And yeah. it, it does impact them because like, like, um, I think you said before you don't you don't only one percent make it in the end and there's not enough help out there at the moment for people who don't make it. So if you if you're dropping down the levels from the likes of Man City, it is gonna be hard for you to adjust, especially after you've been living that lifestyle for however long you've lived you've lived it. Even though it's even if it's a short time, the, the amount of money they earn, it's it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money and I don't in fact, even though it's a lot of money, I think also you could help like advise them what to do with that money. I don't think I don't yeah. think there's anything like that at all. They're not advised to save the money, for example, or anything like that. Because if you're if you if you're around the right people and you're advised to look after that money, then it won't impact you as much. But like I said, there's not much advice. So obviously they go out spending it on new cars, designer clothes for the gram, you know, making everyone see who they are, playing for whoever. And that's when it impacts them more. So if there's there's many ways to think about it because VR, but then there's not enough help to help them with that amount of money. So it's a weird, it's a weird one. It's a very weird one. Me personally, I just think, yeah, I I agree with Josh Pitt like 100. percent I feel like there needs to be a cap. There's, there's 18 year olds earning X amount of money, earning more money than some of the best players in League One who've been in League One or Championship for many years, which is just crazy to think about. But um, then again, these clubs are playing for a multi-million, billionaire, billionaire um, company, so they've got the money to, to pay to these guys. So it's yeah. not necessarily their fault. No one's going to turn down that amount of money. 
But um, like Josh said, I feel like um, financial advisors, again, like Josh said, they've got so much money they don't even know what to do with it. At some point. And if, like most of them do, um, they do get cut off, at, I don't know, under 23s or whatever, and they've been earning, let's say, £10,000 a week. And then now they've been they've been um, by a league who are offering them £2,000. They're going to think £2,000 a week is nothing compared to what they've been earning for how many years. Where in reality, £2,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, so jump on the NBA. Just my one's slightly left, a bit rough, but let's say both of you now you're you're about to go to the World Cup. You you you've just been signed for fifty million. Whose DMs? Obviously, hopefully, let's say you both are single. Whose DMs are you entering? As a yo, was like big head, what's good? <laughs> I'm a big baller now. What are you saying? Like, who are you entering? Josh, <laughs> yeah, you go first. You go first. <laughs> uh, um... If I a big if I was single, by the way. Um, if I was if I was if I was single, um, I think everyone knows the first person I'd message is is Rihanna. It's, it's Rihanna. straight away Rihanna. She'd get a message straight away. Island girl, right, fair enough. That's for me. Yeah, yeah. You know the vibe. For me, <laughs> I can't lie. Hmm. Laurie, man. Lori's Lori. <laughs> Lori. Oh, I'm getting aired, yeah. But thanks, so yeah, bro, I'm gonna try. Tired, bro. But I'm gonna try. I'll definitely try. Yeah, you, what, you be keep you keep messaging. Keep messaging. Rome wasn't built in a day, man. We keep trying, we keep trying. <laughs> get me, get me. The long game. Now, Jay, what are you on. saying? Who would you go for? Who would you go for, Afo? Do you know what's mad? So one of my boys um were talking about you know, yes, Jules. Yes, Jules on, on Instagram. No, no, no. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, to be honest, a couple. To be honest, yeah. Like she's just the person that comes to mind. But a couple of them, I'll hit a couple of them. But yes, Jules. Probably it's it's got to be the stallion. Let's go. We need to get the money up, man. Let's get the money up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Wafo, how are we? How are we feeling about the NBA right now? We're seeing a load of high-scoring games. Uh, what's it called? The Brooklyn Nets just scored 146 points or 143 and still lost the game. How? What are you feeling about the NBA season right now? Bro, it's crazy at the moment. You know, you know, like every single year, defense seems to be getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But obviously, we've seen a lot more three pointers, a lot more entertaining. But yeah, I think it's crazy. Like you think about the Washington Wizards yesterday; they're absolutely like they've had a terrible, terrible season. I'm thinking Russell Westbrook, he's done. Um, Bradley Bill, you you've got to go. Like you need to leave Washington. And all of a sudden, they do a job against the Nets, beat KD, Kyrie, and. Um, and James Harden. So, for me, I feel like the NBA is so up and down. You know, like even the Lakers like, had a great run and then all of a sudden they lose like two back-to-back games. So, for me, I don't know. I've, obviously, it's a weird season. Hopefully, like for me, I want LeBron to win it again because I don't, I don't like that people disrespect him like, with his greatness and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how everything plays out. I think it's interesting. It's exciting. And, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the Nets do. We'll see if the, what the Brooklyn Nets do. Um, and boys, I know you guys said you're just getting into the NBA. So, you know, what's your favorite teams? Any any particular favorite players? For me, like I said earlier, I I've just started like getting really into it right now. 
But for me, it's just the players right now. I'm looking at um, Zion Williamson. Yeah. I think he's he's a top, top player. But I think, like I was saying, I think the team to beat this year, even though they have, they've been up and down, I think it will be uh, Nets with James Harden moving there and the other big players they have already anyway. Um, I think, even though I want LeBron to win, I think it'll be the Nets this year. That's my shot this year anyway. Uh, how about you, Jay? Um, Lakers for me. I'm, I'm, I'm Lakers just because of LeBron. But um, obviously, I've been, I haven't just recently started basketball. I've, I've been watching the background for, for a while, but not really focused on it that deeply. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I know Alpha loves it, so obviously on my timeline, I'm always seeing basketball, this basketball, that. So I thought, you know what? Let me, let me take a, let me take a, um. I like into and obviously after the MJ um, uh, documentary came out, I I literally for months after that, I, that's all I was watching. Rivalry between um, Celtics and Lakers or Chicago Bulls, one of the two. Um, I was watching that closely. Yeah, so I've I've been I've been trying to you know gather my history on it, but um, personally, I would my team. I had to pick just because of LeBron and AD. Um, but yeah, that's who I go for. So, just to, uh, I was quite interested by it because a lot of people watched The Last Dance over, over the first lockdown, right? And speaking to a few professional athletes, like they were all really motivated by it. I was wondering what effect that had on you boys watching that that Last Dance stop. I think it's, um, it's, it's crazy really seeing how, how much he's put himself through. And the way he the way he acted, should you say, in in the likes of just tra- a little training session, I think that that shows that even though he was regarded the best at the time, he 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 had the high standards every every day, every session. As Todd would say, it's hard to keep that that motivation all the time and be at that be at that standard for such a long time. I think, yeah, like you said, it's inspiration, motivation for you to hopefully be able to perform at that standard for a long, long time. And um, Josh. We understand that England have just beat Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka. We're gonna educate a little bit of cricket, probably. <laughs> no, to be fair, if if England I support West Indies, obviously I'm from the West Indies, so I support West Indies. So but if England are playing, I will support England as well. But at the moment West Indies are playing Bangladesh. I think we just got beat. That's not very um not something I want to talk about right now, but I think right now England are the best team in the world in in all all types of cricket right now. So West Indies are just they're one of them in the Caribbean. They like to party. So if it's not if it's not T20, then don't bother watching the West Indies because they're not very good at many many other types of cricket. Um, I don't know if you man know anything about cricket. So if I, if I'm saying T20, do you understand what I'm saying? No, I know you mean yeah, 20, yeah, 20, 20, 20 overs, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah 20 overs, and then obviously there's the, the 50 ODI, uh, 50 overs, and then the one that they're very, they're not good at all because they haven't got the patience or anything. That is the test test cricket, which is over five days, obviously. Um, so right now, West Indies are getting better, but nah, not not yet. Let's see 20 and we'll be fine. <laughs> Boys, honestly, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you boys yeah, on the pod. It's been fun, man. Real insight, and I hope the listeners are going to enjoy 
this is some of your journeys in the football world. I hope both of you guys end up playing for United. Um, and helping uh, <laughs> <laughs> us with the prayer, boys. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on again at some point. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for having us. It was good. Very good. Thanks, man. Keep grafting. Keep grafting, boys. Absolutely. Man. We will. We will. So, obviously, same as usual, guys. Like, subscribe, share. We're in all the podcast platforms. Guys, welcome to the party. Let's get it.